SatanCon has their biggest event ever as the Satanic Temple in Boston throws a convention and wants people to see how misunderstood they are as a religion. And Andrew Tate is going viral after the Andrew Tate Quran Challenge hits Twitter and probably backfires a little bit on the recent convert to Islam. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at SatanCon, a recent convention that took place in Boston, Massachusetts. And we'll also be looking at a response to the event by none other than the infamous Andrew Tate, who is currently under house arrest. But before we get into that, we would be so blessed if you would make sure you subscribe to Good Fight Ministries as a channel. Give this, I guess, video a like, as well as, if you feel led, leave a five-star review on the podcast, if that's the format that you listen this to. It's only because these different avenues by which we press like and subscribe and give reviews, they are what makes more people hear the messages that we give out. And one of the things we always want to do is not only to edify the body of Christ so that they can point out and expose this wickedness, but also that we bring forth the gospel to those who are lost in this world. But without any further ado, we want to make you guys aware of the recent convention that happened. We had a lot of people sending in different videos and clips and so forth. And like, please talk to this. And in all honesty, I, I didn't plan on talking about it because it's one of those things that Obviously, there is a lot of error here, but one of the problems with modern Satanism is the convolution of those who are atheists that are simply practicing it, and as a philosophy, just simply want the rebellious nature of what they believe to be folklore in terms of the person of Satan versus those who actually are theistic Satanists, who believe that Satan is God or that Satan is a God and so forth. And so, before we get into all that philosophy and why, no matter what, if you're attending SatanCon, you're being conned by the devil either way. But before we get into that, I want to I want you to listen to them because a lot of them are just saying they're misunderstood. And if we're going to be all things to all people, we're going to listen to what they actually believe so that we can share with them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because obviously what they believe is quite convoluted. People are arriving in Boston from all over to attend what's expected to be the largest satanic gathering in history. It's about supporting human rights. It's about supporting women's bodily autonomy. It's about freedom of religion, freedom from religion. The event marks the 10-year anniversary for the Satanic Temple and will include satanic rituals, entertainment, and discussion panels. I understand the confusion, the fear. I, I really do. But at the same time, we're a very misunderstood group. Now, one thing that I am blessed by, even though it is sad for those involved, is that hundreds, <laughs> you realize that not even thousands of people would come to these events. It kind of reminds me, and it pretty much is the same platform as some of the atheist conventions and speaking engagements that they've attempted to put together, and they really do fall flat on their face because they are of their father, the devil, and the truth is, is that a lot of people, even though they are in the broad road that leads to destruction. A lot of them don't want to go this far as to actually claim allegiance to Satan, whether 
in jest or in what is true. But the truth is, is that they are misunderstood because quite a few of them do not believe that there is a literal Satan and they are simply being conned. They're being conned by con men and ultimately the father of lies who is Satan. And he has come in so many different forms. In fact, it actually says in the New Testament that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. So while they are promoting darkness and so forth, the truth is that Satan has manifested himself as an angel of light. There's plenty of prosperity teachers today that I think do more harm than anything in terms of for the gospel. But when it comes to this, Satan does not care if you do not worship the one true God and you worship him in the form of Buddha, in the form of Allah, in the form of any of the millions of gods in the Hindu religion. All he cares about is that the one true God does not get the worship that he deserves. And I believe that he hates you because you are made in the image of God. And I actually point this out because I look at what the scriptures say regarding those who become demon-possessed or are pagan idolaters. And one of the things that happens when they become demon-possessed and also when those false gods, which I believe, as it says in Psalm 96.5 and in the Septuagint, the way it's translated, is that all of the idols or the gods of the nations, that they are demons. And in fact, that's exactly how Justin Martyr quoted it in his dialogue with Trypho the Jew. And in fact, most of the quotations in the New Testament actually come from the Septuagint. And they had a understanding that ultimately, just as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that an idol can be anything. And for us who are in Christ, we are the temple of God, But for those who are not in Christ, they are the temple of idols or demons. And he used those things in a very similar fashion. And so when we see this, whether people are taken captive by some vain philosophy, it's not on accident. You have three enemies. You have the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the devil is really good at using the flesh against you. And we recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. So whether or not they believe it, The truth is, is Satan has already conned them if they're doing it in jest or not. And in fact, as we've detailed in not only multiple articles, you can see this on the truth about satanic cults, but we've detailed this in videos regarding um, the recent one we did on Halloween, our Halloween's special, which is about the true hauntings of Hollywood. And you can see the details that we go into regarding those who are practicing either witchcraft or are practicing theistic Satanism or atheistic Satanism, as they think it is. And the truth is, is that Anton LaVey, he didn't allow things in print that was going to play his hand too much. And he needed to, these are by his own words, by the way, LaVey convinced many that joining the Church of Satan was merely a symbol of rebellion and not an actual religion that believed in a literal Satan. The only problem with that is that they've been lied to. What they simply see as rebellion or the advancement of their will and the acceptance of self was really a delusion painted by not only Satan, but even LaVey himself. In an article by Joe Schimmel titled, The Truth About Satanic Cults, he details his experience with one of the Manson murderers, Susan Atkins, and her knowledge of what Anton truly believed. One of the delusions that we will clear up at the outset of this article is the lie that leading satanic cults do not believe in or truly worship the devil. 
First of all, it should be understood that Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, viewed Satan as a true entity that he actually worshipped before his death. Anton LaVey deceived a lot of people who joined the Church of Satan by claiming that Satan only represented the repressed forces of nature, but was not a real entity. In my interviews with former Charles Manson family member, Susan Atkins, who was still in prison at the time after being convicted of eight murders, she blew the lid off of Anton's lie. As a former associate of Anton LaVey's, who danced for him and spent personal time with him before joining the Manson family, Atkins was privy to conversations with LaVey before he became popular. Atkins told me repeatedly that while LaVey promotes a watered-down, palatable form of Satanism to the ignorant masses which he is deceiving, he acknowledged the exact opposite to her and to his inner core of Satanists in the Church of Satan. Susan Atkins shared with me that LaVey had told her emphatically while she was in his home that they truly worshipped Satan as a real entity and as the one who began the initial rebellion against God. Atkins also stated, quote, Anton told me that as a Satanist, he does believe in the God of the Bible, but he refused to worship him and made a conscious decision to worship Satan instead. And Anton himself let his hair down regarding his true beliefs as well. LaVey let his guard down when responding to other Satanists that considered him not extreme enough. LaVey, while in a defensive mode, admitted that the image that he presented publicly was deceptive, declaring, quote, if they're at all intelligent, other true Satanists, they'll realize that there's only so much I can say publicly. I will not advance things in print which make my position untenable. How long would the Church of Satan have lasted if I hadn't appeased an outrage in just the right combination? It required a certain amount of discretion and diplomacy to balance the outrage. I believe that most of those involved with the Satanic Temple in Boston are simply just using this as a trolling event, and that's what most of this is. But the problem is they're being conned by Satan, and that's what makes me sad. That's the misunderstanding. But I do find it very interesting that the parallels that we see, all of the things in line with this event, all of the speaking engagements, the different parts of the conference, if you looked at it, most of them, if you're being honest, are what is known as the Democratic ticket, the platform for Democrats, every single one of them, whether it's LGBTQ, gay rights, whether it's abortion, Every single aspect that you see on anybody's given ticket for the Democratic Party, all of those things are actually what's pushed at SatanCon. And I find that really interesting. Uh, I find it interesting because it makes sense. Uh, the same reason that I believe in cultures that are quite secular, like France and so forth, that a religion like Islam would just run rampant. And you will find uh, liberals all over this country um, actually siding with Muslims on a number of topics, which makes no sense if you understood uh, Sharia law, if you understood what they do to homosexuals in those lands that have that Allah theocracy known as Sharia law. But it's because they're they're strange bedfellows to us, but they're not so strange in that they ultimately have the same father. And these tickets that people push, it's because these worldviews that they are allowed to push, they actually have an effect on us. And it's exactly what the scripture said. 
in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that the prince of the power of the air works through the sons of disobedience. And it's and and related to that later in Ephesians 6, 12, that our wrestling match, the wrestling that we do is not against simply flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers in heavenly realms. And so we recognize that Satan is going to use anyone who is not in line with the will of God, trusting the word of God with the spirit of God living inside of them. And when you have people in authority that are willing to be used in this way, they are going to do it. So of course, we're going to see the tickets at SatanCon, or I'm sorry, the things they promote at SatanCon be very similar to a lot of the very tickets that we see people pushing or the very moral codes and structures that we see people pushing in the world. But I wanted to play this clip from one of the ladies from SatanCon because she said something I found very interesting. And if you guys hear some of the diatribes, usually they will go into something like, oh, this is the satanic panic stuff. And I think that she's trying to name that without naming it. And I want you to hear this clip, but there was because there's something specific she says that doesn't line up with what is on the official Satanic Temple website. You know, no belief in any entity. We don't worship the devil. We don't drink blood. We don't kill babies. It is, uh, you know, that's all Hollywood stuff. Um, you know, we are we are a group of people that take inspiration from the metaphor of Satan and utilize it in various aspects of our lives and you know parts of our identity. Notice a couple things there. One, that we take aspects of the story of Satan and we make it as part of our lives. There's nothing good in the scriptures, so I don't know where they're getting this story from. I know they use an inverted hermeneutic. A lot of times they'll take things from Gnosticism or other religions as well and so forth. But when we look at it, I understand that rebellious nature because the Bible actually speaks to that of the flesh. That is the the flesh's nature, that rebellious nature that they're actually telling you to give into, okay? So that's what they're telling you to give into. As uh, the, the godfather ultimately is Satanism, Aleister Crowley said, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And then he said, this is a law under love, but the love that he identifies is not the love that is objectively true in the more in the scriptures that is moral, the love that comes directly from the nature of God, but the love that they ascribe is very similar to the love that we see all over the culture, that the culture tells us that love is the acceptance of every single sin that the culture says is sin, which is basically just judging anybody for doing anything except for judging someone for caring what the Bible says. But nonetheless, when you see this, this idea of doing what thou wilt, whatever you want, bodily autonomy, as they said it. They, they called it human rights, uh, but there's a big problem with that because you notice she said something there. She said that we don't kill babies. Well, there's a problem. Their own website actually says that the killing of babies is a religious right and the argument for abortion as a religious exemption is that an abortion is a satanic ritual. I will read from the satanic website. It says this, quote, Satanist religious convictions, those who perform the religious abortion ritual are exempt from these requirements and can receive first trimester abortions on demand in states that have enacted the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And I actually agree with them, not that they should have a right to murder babies, but I agree that this is a religious act. This is a satanic religious act that has been happening 
for millennia. Human sacrifice has always been a religious act, and Satanists now claiming it is simply the truth. They may claim it now on their website so women can get abortions, but they've been doing this all along. And in fact, the prophet Jeremiah warned about this. And one of the things that Jeremiah says, because we want to go with the true God and not the false God, the father of lies who was a murderer from the beginning, we don't want to go with the slanderer. We want to go with God himself that said these acts that they were committing, specifically putting children through the fire, putting them through death. He says, this would never enter my mind to do such a thing. But that's not the case with Satan, and that's not the case with the false gods that are simply, I believe, different modes of Satan. And here's what it says in Jeremiah 32, 35. They built high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Moloch, which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And one of the things they would talk about is the fact that they would play drums and they would play these drums to drown out the screams of the child. And how did Moloch work in the Valley of Ben-Hinnom? It was built outside of Jerusalem. It was an idol with the face of a calf and open hands like someone who wants to take something from another. They would light this idol on fire until his hands were scorching. There were seven chambers before him, and according to the quality of the sacrifice, that is how close one could come to him, if one came with a bird, then the chamber one, a goat, chamber two, a sheep, chamber three, a calf, chamber four, a cow, chamber five, and an ox, chamber six. Who who brought his child? The priest would say that he is offering the greatest sacrifice. He would enter the innermost chamber and go kiss the Moloch. The priest would then take the child and place it near the Moloch. They would then bang the drums to drown out the cries. Come see how obsessed the nation was with idol worship, that they were willing to do something so reprehensible. But in the future, says God, I will remove your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And that actually was from the Midrash there, a Jewish commentary on the Old Testament. And I just find this heartbreaking, I find this disgusting, but I find it to be true of SatanCon. And the truth is, is our culture as a whole, truthfully, has become more and more callous to the death of others for the satisfaction of themselves. This is something that is so abundant, especially in the next generation of children. Not that it hasn't been for a long time, but the problem is, is that this, by way, I believe, of public education and TikTok and Instagram education has simply named the murder of innocent babies bodily autonomy and human rights when really you're killing the life of a human and taking their rights away. And so is the case with drunkenness and driving. And I, I, I bring this up as a case because I saw this and it broke my heart for a number of reasons, but I want you to see this young girl's reaction. And you can see this body cam footage from the carnage of two people that died. And this is in Illinois where a woman is actually laughing and playing dumb after she had killed two people in a deadly DUI crash on April 10th, 2022. Stephanie Malgoza 
blew three times over the legal limit shortly after failing every other sobriety test performed by East Peoria officers. Quote, this doesn't happen. I go to Bradley. The clearly intoxicated woman said, referencing the private university she was set to graduate from in the coming weeks. Quote, you're pathetic. You hear an officer that says to Melgoza in the hospital when she continued to joke around after learning the two victims have died. Melgoza pleaded guilty to two counts of aggravated DUI death and two counts of aggravated reckless driving before getting sentenced to 14 years in prison on Thursday. And you may say to yourself, oh, doing what thou wilt as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. But the problem is, is that when people get drunk, it messes up with their faculty to make decisions. And one of those decisions that are made is to go get in a car. And when we are taught over and over again that we are simply the byproduct of a bang and scum evolving eventually into consciousness, so dumb, by the way, to even think that, and I used to think that, and uh, and eventually came to a place where here we are with consciousness and our entire society is evolving to a place where we have a better understanding now because we're progressing in progressive beliefs. We have a better understanding now that ultimately we do not matter in this universe and our pleasure is the only thing that really should have a value because how you feel dictates who you are. And the truth is, is she felt like going out and drinking and driving. And now two people are dead. And this callous nature, think about this. This girl's going to prison for 14 years. She killed two people. And in that video, as you saw, she was laughing. She could care less. She said, I got to go to school tomorrow. Well, can I at least go back on Thursday or whatever? Over and over again, she, the, the callousness. And I will say this, drunkenness will give you that callousness a lot of times. And I think the, the Bible talks to this. The scriptures are very clear on this when it comes to what the serpent will do through alcohol, through drunkenness, how he will use it to hinder us, how he will use it uh, to have us have bruises and wake up in the morning and say, oh, what happened? I'm sure when she woke up uh, after you know coming out of the drunken stupor, she probably had some sort of realization of what happened. And I pray that she has some remorse. And I pray that this is something that actually brings her to Christ, but the loss of two lives, it is sad, and it breaks my heart, and it, and it really is heartbreaking to think about. And if you think that sin can simply be autonomous, it, any sin, really, can simply be autonomous, that's not how sin works. It festers, and it plumps up, and it ruins people's lives around you. Fulfilling the deeds of the flesh, showing to the deeds of the flesh, always reaps corruption, and there are always those who get hit with the aftershock. And speaking of those who get hit with the aftershock, I'm sure that Andrew Tate was quite surprised to see the trend that would happen after he bragged, because if you guys don't know who Andrew Tate is, Andrew Tate is someone who is currently being investigated for sex trafficking. And a lot of people, even conservatives like Candace Owens and people have shown their support for him, saying the charges are ridiculous and whatnot. And we could show you um, a lot of stuff on why we actually believe that he is a sex trafficker. But that is for another time. And please, I, I, I do ask that you wait on the judgment of that until we are finished with putting that together. But when it comes to Andrew Tate, he had converted to Islam not long before, or at least stated that he was converting to Islam, even went on Muhammad Hijab's show and uh, talked about this conversion that he had had. Obviously, he hasn't stopped his 
drinking and, and, and so forth, even though Muslims, I'm sure, are uncomfortable with that. And even talking about sleeping with women and sometimes even talking about trannies, even though that was before his conversion. But nonetheless, I digress. And Andrew Tate himself put forth this challenge. And there's a reason he said this. Um, this is what he did. He saw that at SatanCon, as we've been talking about, that a woman took the Bible and ripped it up as some presentation. And he said, basically, let's see, uh, let's see someone do that to the Quran, you coward. Now, the problem is, is that plenty of people have done that to the Quran. And in fact, Andrew Tate has started a challenge that has gotten many Qurans desecrated. The Andrew Tate Quran challenge, which has gone viral on Twitter, has shown a lot of people desecrating the Quran exactly as he said that somebody wouldn't. And now, one of the reasons he would say that is because Andrew Tate believes that Islam will be the last religion, which makes it true because it'll be the last religion, because when it comes to Islam, people will kill you for doing these things, but Christians could see their Bibles get ripped up and not do anything. Well, that is because the Christian religion did not, did not, without a doubt, the Christian religion, I'm not talking about the Crusaders who were Catholic, uh, but the Christian religion, in terms of Bible-believing Christians, came from persecution. In fact, we know that the health of the church has typically always been related to persecution. In fact, it's when prosperity comes that dangers from without come within. And when we look at the church, we see that it is Jesus himself who said this, that if his kingdom was of this world, his servants would fight. But the kingdom, his kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, his servants do not fight. It is Jesus who let the model be if one strikes you in one cheek or on one cheek to turn the other cheek and be struck again. And that ultimately, when it comes to vengeance, it is the Lord who will repay. And one of the things that we have to recognize is what Paul told the church in Thessalonica. One of the earliest letters we have in the church, one of the earliest letters that Paul ever wrote is 1 Thessalonians. And there was a follow-up letter in 2 Thessalonians, and both of them address something about the end times. The first addressed the idea that those who passed away before Jesus came back, that they were not going to be with their brothers and sisters because they passed away before Jesus came back. And he said that is not the case in chapter 4, but we will actually meet them in the air. And then in 2 Thessalonians, while the church is under persecution and we see it, what they're going through, he talks about the fiery trial that they are under and he gives them the hope of their relief. The hope of their relief was not that eventually they will rule for a thousand years after they they have the seven mountains of cultural influence conquered and then they can bring Jesus back at the end and we can give him back the earth that we have now conquered. But the this is so clear in the scripture when you get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 before we get to chapter 2 that the relief for the church does not come after we gain control over the seven mountains of cultural influence, but the relief for the church comes when he comes with his angels and he deals out retribution to those who have brought forth all of this calamity upon his saints. And so we look forward to that. And the fact is, is that we look forward to that because we have a king 
that has risen. We have a king we know that died a horrible death on a cross that rose again on the third day in front of many witnesses. And for 40 days and 40 nights after his death, after his resurrection, gave them many convincing proofs that he is the one true God and that everything he said about the afterlife is true. So you can put your full faith and trust in him. And because he came the first time, you can know he's coming the second time and he will demolish all of this at the right time. But when will he do it? Second Peter 3, 9. This is for those at SatanCon. This is for every lost person. This is for your lost neighbor, your lost cousin, your lost friend, your lost mom, your lost dad, your lost sister, your lost brother. Why hasn't he come? Why is he so slow? He says, no, I am not slow. In 2 Peter 3, 9, he's not slow. He is patient towards you, not willing that anyone perish, but that all would come to repentance. Praise God that he is patient with us and that we have friends that need the gospel. And I encourage you, if you don't know the gospel, turn to him now before it's too late. And if you know the gospel, go give it to someone else. It is the power to salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This has been Chad Davidson. This is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.